live everywhere. We're coming off a a morning celebration where you guys sold out first half for your December show. Congrats! Thank you, thank that's, you guys. That's actually insane. Like I was tra- as a as like the bandwagon. What do you call it? Bandwagon Brandon. Yeah, I was being a little bit of a bandwagon Brandon. I, I, like, I am too with when it comes to buying tickets to shows. That's why I did it because I I get that mentality. Yeah. That's how I feel. Like I don't think any show is gonna sell out until I find out that it's sold out. Sold and out. I'm like. Yeah. I'm an idiot. <laughs> the, well, the fact that you sold out as early as you did, too. I mean, we're sitting here, was it uh, yeah. October 4th? Yes. And your show's what, December 15th? 13th. 13th? Yeah. That's insane. It is insane. Like, that is insane. Yeah. How we're, was, like, promotion and everything for that? Well, it's funny because we made plans. Like, we had some videos on deck to use as, like, promo and, like, a couple, like, far-fetched ideas that we're just not going to do now. So we really didn't, like, we promoted it by talking about it nonstop on social media, but we never really executed. We were probably, like, 10% into executing, like, the plan that we would have done. Like a paid portion of Yeah, like, we we didn't do any paid promo for it, I don't think. Maybe, I mean, Oprah would know, but Mm -hmm. I don't, like, I think most of the paid promo we've done recently has been for the thrill. Um, So, like, this show, we were just honestly banking on the relational, like, Minneapolis blood, sweat, and tears that we've developed over the past two years as friends and family, and then yeah. people we've gotten to meet that have become friends and family. Mm-hmm. You guys and got a cult following. Yeah, and, and at Minneapolis, you book something at First Avenue, and everybody just goes like, oh my gosh, it's First Avenue, because that's just such an iconic venue. So I think that really wrote it into sellout much quicker than any of us anticipated. Yeah. I, I literally was like, I had this weird, like, you know when you just commit to something, even though in the back of your head, you're like, this might be the dumbest thing that... I like have agreed to do but like we were trying to convince them to let us do it and I remember thinking like I'm so like putting forward that we, we need to do this we're going to do this that's the goal for this year I remember telling me that's telling that to myself and our team back in January but in the back of my mind I was like this is so far-fetched like like this is literally over twice the size of any room we've ever filled and that's with those types of rooms being down to the wire sellouts you know wow the the first show we ever did that was our like big sellout show was Amsterdam and that's like 650 maybe 700 and that sold out pretty quick but it's kind of like when you're in brand new band when you're like really like this is the first show there's like a little bit of that appeal of like oh I just need to see this first show there's sort of that curiosity mm-hmm. and then after that the people that were just sort of supporting you as you launched sort of fade to the distance and you have to develop real fans like your parents just can't invite all their friends and your friends just can't invite all their friends to every show. Mm-hmm. So you have to like develop real fans rather than just like personal relationships that you just like bank on that they're going to like ride or die for the show. Um, so the fine line was our next one that was kind of big like that. We also did technically a show at the Cedar Cultural Center right during the state fair. And I remember our publicist was like, that is like a dangerous move because the state fair is like, king no one's gonna skip the state fair good luck convincing anybody to come to a show for a local band so we didn't sell that one out but we got to like i think 475 500 in a 550 cap room and then this spring this past spring we co-headlined with early eyes and and we played with last import and that one sold out like a week before or like a few days before damn and we like hustled that one like we were going to colleges and like showing up me and seth worked up this routine where we would come in in like disguise as different characters and it was Bongo and Rano. I don't know if you guys yep. remember seeing those oh, videos. Yeah. Rano. But we like developed alter egos and we would like go into these colleges and like we got 
we, we coordinated with the colleges and got their permission to like come into like a like a open space and just like plug in with like two amps plug the mics into the amps we got these like converters to make it work on the fly and we would just show up like unannounced basically to the students knowledge unannounced and just start like jamming and we would just say like we're like a yam house cover band promoting these guys like they paid us to be here it was the most stupid stunts <laughs> so we're literally like in between gigs like we were super busy and then we would like sneak those little like pop-up shows we call them in to like three or four or five different colleges locally and we were just hustling and that show barely sold out right at the end um so we literally and that was when i was like trying to convince um first avenue to like let us book the main room so like i really had no real like this is for sure gonna work yeah and a so, case study to show them mm-hmm. yeah and the track record proved hopeful at best you know mm-hmm. but something in me was like i feel like you just tell people you're playing at first avenue's main room as a local band here in minneapolis and that just carries like a bit of like an aura to it that oh, people yeah. go, i can't miss that oh you guys are booked at the main room at first ave like that's insane so I it it paid off, man. I'm I'm really surprised. Like I thought we would be fighting, like clawing, to the end to try to get it sold out or like to get to 1,200 tickets or something crazy. That's awesome. But in a month, yeah, it's crazy. I'm still processing it. I mean, I just found out this morning, so I'm, I'm yeah. like, <laughs> I'm shocked. This is, this is like we can't make this stuff up that I'd be in the podcast mm-hmm. today and oh, it's yeah. sold out this morning. That's crazy. So nuts. And first half, I mean, that is uh, the cream de la creme of Minneapolis. Yeah. So you have dominated your sandbox as we love to say that's what we've been trying to do for this whole year of 2019 and you guys have a similar business model and it's proven right Mm -hmm. and that's it sitting from guys that have just supported you since we met you last year around this time uh it's so rewarding to have this conversation literally six hours or seven hours after it happened this is pretty cool it is cool Mm -hmm. well and not only uh not only the shows that you're, I mean, not only first half, but you played Basilica earlier this uh, yeah. this year in the summer. Yep. I'd love to hear how that all went, dude. How was it? That was a huge opportunity that I think tipped the scales too in terms of like momentum and like that perception of like, oh, you guys are a big band, you know, because like Basilica just has a name to it. I've been going to that since I was a kid. I mean, I heard about big artists like Brandy Carlisle because of Basilica Block Party, like with my family. Like, yeah. So that has a name to it, you know, and the fact that we got to be in that lineup and not just like on the local stage, but we got a spot on like one of the main stages with mm-hmm. um, Semi-Sonic and the Jayhawks, which are like, they were like legacy 25 year anniversary Basilica artists that year oh, wow. or this summer. So there was a lot of like, I think um, it was just a really lucky break. Um, a guy named Josh Lacey, he, um, he is like the Minneapolis Live Nation guy. Okay. And he's the one who gave us the opportunity and... Um, I don't know if you guys, I remember, I don't know if I told you, but like that was such a tough, interesting win because it like shut down a lot of, I, I remember because we did a gig together, didn't we? Yeah, we did Bocella. Bocella. Talk about putting you on the map and putting us on the map at the same time. Dude, Bocella, if that doesn't happen next summer, we got to talk. It's, it's ha- we already have it booked. Okay, good. June 20, 2020. I'm buying tickets as soon as they go live. Mm-hmm. I will not be a bandwagon, Brandon. I'm not. We're going to try to get two boats for that. Tie up two boats and like... Barge cella, yeah, barge cella, <laughs> <laughs> barge cella. I love it. We got a barge this year. Yeah. But yeah, I remember when I had hit you up originally for uh, Bocella, and you had you were like, "Yeah, we can do it, but we can't really promote it, or yeah, we got to be very careful about how we go about it." Yeah, which and was nuts. That's been a new like. I think we, we're learning every day. Like even today, like announcing that it was sold out because we got the ticket counts daily was probably not 
the way to go about it I found out today because like you need to let the venue say that first so like there's so many like sort of like cadences and like the way things work when you get to those upper levels of like the music industry that we're just like so naive to we're just sure. like we did it boys <laughs> like I'm getting texts like chill like the box office needs to email you guys first like it is sold out which is cool but like the first av and the basilica block party thing just like yeah that was a really the basilica block party was a huge stepping stone to getting us to i think like just that next level of yeah. awareness people so many people found out about our band because of that yeah. because cities 97 um is the people that put that on mm-hmm. and that opened up so many relational wins with cities like paul fletcher is a dj there and he's a big hockey guy and so like next thing you know like he's inviting me and zach to play like in their old timers league and like we're getting to know him like the whole band went over to his house and like watched a pearl jam documentary and like he's just been in the game for so long and like it's just really cool and we're lucky to get those like little windows of opportunity to get to know somebody and then you know that kind of helps grow your just like influence i guess oh for sure but Going back to, I mean, the the pains of promotion there, because you guys weren't allowed to play within a certain radius of Basilica, both time and geographically? Yes. It was three months prior and three months after. Wow. Um, But but it worked out after, like, anything that was booked prior to Basilica, three months before or after. Because, like, things get booked six months out. Mm -hmm. We had to be, like, following their rules. They had to get approved by them. And there were some stipulations about not promoting it a ton because everything we promote had to go towards that. Right. And um, excuse me, the Michelob Golden is coming up. A few yeah. bubbles here and there. Love that. And if you want to use that uh, cup holder, that little shelf right here. Oh. Yeah. It's prime Amazing. action right there. I love it. Yeah, we got to stain these bad boys, but uh, mm-hmm. we're working on it. They're, they're cup holders. I love it. That's mm-hmm. super crafty. I'm impressed. Thank you. But anyways, three months before, three months after within, I think it was like a two or 300 mile radius. It was insane. Uh, especially for a local band. I mean, so this is the kind of stuff, again, we learned that that's a pretty normal thing. Like, anybody who plays Coachella, like the real, not Bocella, but Coachella, yeah, um, they have that same stipulation. So, like, if Lizzo plays at Lollapalooza in Chicago, like, she has that same thing going on around a radius around Chicago. And when you're a national act, you can get away with that because you have a market, you have fans in mm. California or in the East Coast. And, so you can kind of work around it. But we were just like local dudes getting treated like a national act. And we're like, we make our living within a 200 mile radius. So they were super, super gracious and gave us a lot. Like they gave us permission to do the Bocella. They gave us permission, which was a paid gig. Thanks to you guys. Mm-hmm. You guys yeah. have been day one supporters helping us literally pay our bills. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so we had this challenge of like, <laughs> we don't have other markets super far away. So we just had to make it work. And there's luckily a lot of people that are willing to be flexible. Nice. So, like paying or uh, not playing or paying, uh, playing out of state within that. Did you go to other states and places to play? I honestly can't remember all the details because I'm really bad at that. Everything's just to blur together. Didn't you go to like um, Tennessee at some point? We did go to Nashville this spring or summer. Yeah, yeah. I just remember you guys were playing in like Detroit. You guys were yeah, playing Detroit. in Tennessee, yep. Michigan. Yep. We we play like honestly. When it comes to where we have like uh, somewhat of a presence, like live, like we can go play a show. Yeah, it's sweet, really, sweet Jake in, in Detroit. Yes, yeah, sweet, he, sweet he draws Jake a crowd, carries us in Detroit. <laughs> it's impressive what I that mean, guy does. I mean, people come out of the woodwork. Like I'm here to see Jake. <laughs> yes, <laughs> which is basically just his amazing family, and then their friends and people that have just gotten on board. And then we've had a couple cool Basilica type opportunities in Detroit, 
uh, one of which was called Sterling Fest, which is in Sterling Heights, Michigan, which is like north of Detroit. And it's like a pretty big festival. Detroit's an interesting town for live music, um, but we got connected to this super great, like really well-attended festival. Um, and we opened for Sugar Ray. That's right. Yeah, which was like the coolest, like the coolest, randomest thing of all time. And he was super nice. Mark McGrath was like very supportive and like on stage, like complimenting the band. I don't know if did you see that. I like posted it on yeah, my I saw Instagram. That. How does it work when you open for like these bigger names? Do you get to hang out with them in the green room and stuff, or is it more um, like exclusive or show by showcase? It's funny that you'd ask me that right now because two or three weeks ago I would have said basically we don't really see them you know there's not I mean we, I, I walked by Mark in the hallway okay. behind the stage and he was like hey man excited to hear your set like he was super supportive but it nice. wasn't like let's sit down and chat it was just like which is totally understand like if I was a national act playing a ton of shows across the country and there's a whirlwind of local bands and acts opening for me like you just get so emotionally and relationally drained traveling all the time that like it's so tiring to just like give everybody your best at all times so i totally get like they probably didn't come to the venue until like probably 30 minutes before we were going to go on and they were just going to get warmed up and ready in the back um so it's pretty like businessy yeah not in like a negative way but what's funny is that's what i would have said two weeks ago and i think that's the norm but what's funny is we just played at saint thomas for the homecoming yeah i saw that and tori kelly uh we opened for her who is like mega i mean she's big she's like a pop star a certified i mean she's on scooter bronze Mm -hmm. like roster which is crazy what's scooter bronze scooter Braun is justin bieber's manager oh so he's the one who like discovered justin bieber you should look him up on instagram he's he's an interesting cat he he just came under fire for buying uh taylor swift's old record label called uh, big machine okay and there's some um content there contempt contempt is that it's definitely not content because content is happy is happy contempt is unhappy let's go with it There's what do some, you think Andrew? we don't have our intern here to look up words it. Yeah, i am usually worse with english yeah intern tire being missed right now a lot <laughs> i love it up. anyways he wasn't stoked or people weren't stoked with scooter because he bought that and that label owns um previous to like 1989 or something all of taylor swift's masters and she's super like bummed about that because that's her work but like they still administer the masters and like take a lot of the royalties and stuff and she doesn't see it Oh, wow. um, granted, she's selling out stadiums across the world, so she's not, you know, it's not her. She's her not starving that much. Yeah, it is. Her, I mean, it's taking money out of her pocket, and it just it's not great. But okay. so, but that's like a recent thing I've seen in the news about him. But anyways, he's he's like a really well known manager. He's like one of the top like fame managers. What a perfect name too, Scooter Braun. Yeah, you should look him up for real. He sounds a little slimy. Yeah, right. Yeah, right, but right. he's probably a good, dude. Yeah, maybe. We'll never know. We'll never know. I only look at his Instagram every once in a while and just see random posts. But contempt does mean disobedient to the court of law. Oh, did you look it up? I did. There you go. I I don't think good word, Lars. I don't know. I think it applies. Okay, great. I I, I receive. I receive. (laughs) Um, So Tori Kelly, Tori Kelly, and Scooter Braun. I'm just saying she's a big deal. Yeah, she's. And I, I was so ready to go into that show. We played St. Thomas. I was so ready to go into that show and like not even see her. But right away we walk in to the stage area we brought our stuff they actually backlined all of our stuff we played two gigs that night one at be the match after yeah and then we played there first so we had all of our gear still at be the match besides our guitars and our pedal boards and everything else they like rented for us and had like ready to rock it was crazy so we walk in and tori kelly's just sound checking and we're the only ones in the room and she's just like crushing it with her band 
we're like, oh, this is cool. We like got to see her like soundcheck and it sounds really good. And that would have been good enough for me. And then we're like waiting to go on stage after she's done the soundcheck. And the guys are still in like the stage area. And I go to this like side area and I'm sitting on this couch doing my vocal warmups, literally on my phone, like, like, e -A -A -O -O, like doing that. And she comes out the side door with like probably her manager and like another person that like is on her team. And um, she looks over at me and I'm just like, e -A -A -O -O, like a middle of like an awkward voice warm up, just sitting on this couch. She looks at me, keeps walking, double takes and then comes over and she says, hey, are you are you in Yam House? I recognize you from the picture. And I'm like, is this like Jake Belstow with like a blonde wig on pop star edition? Like she was the nicest, most like down to earth wanted to chat, asking questions. And I was just kind of like, wow, I'm like starstruck right now. And then she proceeded to go back to the green room. We sound checked. If that would have been it, I would have been blown away. But it gets even better because uh, we go back to the green room after our sound check. And then we go to this area where um, they have like the food for us. And we step into it and her whole band's there playing Monopoly. And she's like, she's around the table and everybody's just having a good time. And we walk in and we're kind of like, should we not be here? Like, your majesty like i'm just like ready to like i can bounce i like, apologize i'm sorry for being yeah. your presence i'm gonna get my food and get out of here because meanwhile the jake's like us. ready to take boardwalk oh yeah oh yeah <laughs> 100 he's, he's game on no but it was crazy the person who told us to go there was like no like this is where you're supposed to be don't worry like you can be here and then we we're like okay and then we like quietly get our food and then we go sit at another table there's like two or three tables in the room and we sit at a table like pretty near them and we're just like minding our own business eating food and she just like comes over and plops herself down on a seat next to me and, and proceeds to, for the next 45 minutes, talk to the whole band, our crew, like an honest, genuine, funny conversation. Like we're just talking, shooting the crap. And it's just like, oh my God. So she was like incredibly down to earth, incredibly energized and willing to chat. She wasn't like wiped out or burnt out. She didn't seem, she was just like great. So that was an anomaly. Mm -hmm. That was pretty mind blowing. Does that make you want to, cause I mean, it, you're inevitably going to be huge. Wow. I mean, it's, it's that's how we that's uh, he, that's our that, those are our thoughts at the corp right now. Yeah. All right. Those and I, I mean, I love to say we break news, but this is not even breaking news because it's already been out there. <laughs> um, but when you do make it big, is this uh, kind of like a little inclination of you know who you want to be when you have the ability to be a mentor to the up and coming local bands? Because you, you're seeing both sides of it as you're you're walking through it, and you can see how exhausting it is to you know put on that face and be super supportive to new people time and time again, and that's not easy. And then you can see the people that actually can pull that off, and you're like, wow. I, I mean, I am blown away that you are spending 45 minutes with you. Yeah, mm -hmm. I absolutely want to be that. Um, no doubt about it. Do I think I will? I hope so, but I'm not gonna like. It's not easy. Like I have so much perspective now for. And, like, I don't I, – I feel so – like, I understand where, like, people who are famous and people think they're jerks because they don't want to take the picture at the airport or, like, sign the thing. I hope to not be that way, and I'm going to do my best. And I, I, I feel pretty confident I'll at least not be, like, an abrasive asshole or anything. But, like, I am just – I have so much respect for the people that, like, you are – it's tiring to tour, and it's tiring to meet a lot of people. And you do have, like, a tank. And even if you're the biggest extrovert in the world, like Jake – um, I'm pretty extroverted, but I have a line. Like when I hit my thing, like, and we've been traveling before and I'm like the guy like sleeping in the green room, like leave me alone. So I, I absolutely want to be like Tori Kelly. Am I audacious enough to state that I think I will be? No, but I'm going to try. Mm. Uh, that's for sure. Like, and I, I, I think too, like actions speak louder than words. 
um, because you can be really good at playing the like friendly game, but then like there's like other ways to support people too. And so like I know I want to make it a goal to like in the Minneapolis scene in my hometown, Hudson, Wisconsin, Stillwater, Minnesota. Like I want to have a a real like sense of like presence and like giving back where I am. Um, and there's a lot of ways to do that besides just like being good at small talk, but because small talk kind of tires me out. I'm going to be honest. It's exhausting. It's so exhausting. Granted, we do it for a job. Yeah. Well, though, this is this is a little, this little is de- deeper than that. Okay. So, like, this is life-giving for me because we're going to places that are a little more than just, like, how you doing? So good to meet you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm a huge fan. Or, you know, and, and it's so kind when people do that stuff. But, like, time and time again, if you're, like, I mean, I can't imagine being, like, a huge successful pop star and everybody you meet says, like, a pretty similar elevator speech that's, like, you're awesome. I love you thanks for what you do and you just kind of have to be like thank you and even if like that's so well-meaning and so good it's still just like it feels like you're just not going to like a human place of like actually getting to know somebody right yeah that can be exhausting you're absolutely right we were talking about this a couple weeks ago just how like we are experiencing some situations where people recognize us uh whether we're near st thomas community or we're near a couple like a young uh, networking event we go to called lincoln drink people recognize us and we like love it right now and we will yeah. always love it. That's never going to go away. And we were just kind of like going over like what if one day it becomes exhausting. I can't imagine that in the near future, but yeah. it's going to happen totally. if we don't, if you don't give up, if you don't stop what you're doing and you keep pushing forward, it, it's bound to happen eventually. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What's also interesting too is like the people that we're running into now that are like big back pocket fans, you know, big marketing interns, yeah. like they've, they're dedicated listeners like they listen to our voices all the time so when we're meeting these people speaking of like small talk yeah the the listeners are actually like they know way more about you than Mm. you would even come close to knowing about them so they'll come to us and be like yo dude stoked for your guys's live show um that was hilarious what you said the other day about yes. you having five cavities and had a dentist appointment yeah, I'm like, like oh you know that like about podcast me. listeners <laughs> podcast listeners will go up to andrew and be like dude i'm so excited about your like from your dentist appointment like good job and andrew's gonna be like dude what's your name yes. <laughs> like, or, or they'll crazy. come up to me like hey you know i'm i got this uh this thing I've been using for my hair to keep it, you know, keep it on the top of my head. If you're interested, I can get your hair, some hair regrowth products for you. I'm like, you're <laughs> kidding. <laughs> What's your name? What's your name? <laughs> yeah. yeah, that can be uh, exhausting. That's like a, it's like a get to know you deficit that is exhausting to climb up from. It also depends on your personality. Like I'm the type of personality where it kills me if someone knows my name and I don't know their name. It mm-hmm. like mm. stresses me out. It makes me feel very bad. Um, is there someone in the group that knows names pretty well? It's, they would probably say me, I think. Okay. Uh, Zach just made a comment about that. Because I, I try really hard, uh, and I don't win. It's like that gambling, like, do I – I think I might know, but do I guess and guess wrong? Mm-hmm. Or do I just own up and say, I don't remember your name. Can you tell me? And these are people I've met five, six times now. Like, they've come to shows. Like, I recognize their face. I've seen them on social media. I know they are super supportive and would consider me a friend. And I consider them a friend, but I don't know their name. So, like, that's the kind of stuff that just, like, it'll, like, cripple your soul at some point. Just depending on how much you let it get to you. But mm-hmm. I think you guys will, you guys are set up pretty good. I think so, too. Decky really does know names pretty well, so. Do you really? I yes. don't think so, dude. Like, I really, I I think I know, I think You're I know You're better names. at it than I am. I, I'm just good at recognizing, like, who these people are. Sure. And if, like, someone were like, oh, do you know this person? I'd be like, okay, that person does this and they, does that. And they know this person that I know. So, like, 
I feel like I have, story. yeah, I have like the story in the background, like sure. storyboard with all the strings attached to all the different places. But yes. I don't really know the names sometimes. Got it. I feel the same way. I think we're on the same page. Yeah. Cause, yeah. cause you're, you run like Twitter and do you run Instagram too for yeah. your house too? Yep. Wow. Yep. That's brave of you. Well, Oprah, Oprah helps a ton, but yeah, like I want to keep my identity in it. So I, I kind of. I'm like, yeah. oh, I still got to do some posts because, like, yeah. I don't want this just to become, like, a business page. And people are super sensitive to that, too, I feel like. You oh, can yeah. tell if it's, like, a businessy post, like, hey, the banter versus, like, me just, like, sloppy, sweaty, posting a selfie with Tori Keller being, like, this is where we're at. I'm stoked. So, like, or I think zooming in like on that Seth more. with the goggles on or oh, like his yeah. blinder glasses. <laughs> yeah. You, you got to have the genuine piece. No, absolutely. So. You can't be uh, – who's the big uh, country singer that Jack Burke saw at Notre Dame Stadium? Oh, uh, Garth? Garth Brooks. He can't be Garth Brooks on Instagram. What is Garth Brooks on Instagram? Oh, my I don't God. Know. He's just like, he doesn't know. If there's one musician <laughs> that is like the biggest ever that doesn't know how to use social media or anything. It's Garth Brooks. It's Garth Brooks. Unbelievable. Does he, run, does he run it? No, no way. That's the, to your point. It's okay. like, you know, every intern that he has in Garth Brooks Nation like runs his Instagram <laughs> and it's just so funny. Like, yeah, hey, I everybody, don't, I don't playing want a that. show at Notre Dame. Can't wait to see you there. I don't yeah. want that for our band. Like, I don't think people want that for our band. I don't think, like, I think you can't outsource your identity. Mm-hmm. No. You know? No, no, no. You can outsource, like, things that need to be done um, on, like, a work level to, like, get graphics ready and, like, plans laid out. And that's where Oprah is completely irreplaceable, super helpful to help us, like, strategize and lay out what we're trying to do. But when it comes to like the the like I'm like reaching out to you on social media, if yeah. it's not people can tell if it's not from you. I feel yeah. like what shout was, out Oprah. Yeah, shout, shout out, out to Oprah, Oprah Winfrey. Mm-hmm. She is just a doll. <laughs> Unbelievable. I can't believe you have Oprah working for you part time. That's crazy. Great for yeah. the small band. How um one one of the things that Andrew and I wanted to do this year, didn't accomplish it yet, um, was buy a billboard. And you guys crushed that. What's it like having a billboard of uh, you, just you boys out in the in the city in the sandbox here? That was Man. amazing. Yeah, it was uncomfortably great. <laughs> I think would be the. <laughs> yeah, it was like, this is cool, but I feel pretty narcissistic right now, and I'm like uncomfortably excited about this ridiculousness. Okay, I wait. mean it was cool. It was cool. Uh, yeah, because you guys looked really good up there. Well, thank you. You you would like to back you'd back to differ? No, I I yeah, it's a good picture. Um, <laughs> Oprah is the one who designed it, so shout out to Oprah again. But yeah, I that was bizarre because that was a that was an example of perception is king. Like, which is kind of kind of sad actually if you think about it for too long. Like perception marketing. Perception is yeah. king. Like we literally just bought a billboard. We had just gotten a pretty relatively fat check from this Michelob golden commercial that we landed, which oh, was, dude, that was sick. Super great. Anything yep. you'd like to say about Michelob? It, I, I'm not just saying this because they've supported our band. I have, I have multiple witnesses that will support this. I have been a Michelob golden fan since 21. <laughs> 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 and I'm telling you, man, this, so I, fun fact about me, I've ulcerative colitis. Oh, so I have like, like kind of a, like, Sometimes sensitive stomach, depending. And IPAs wreck my day. Like, if I have an IPA, I need a nap, and I I need to, like, crawl into a hole for a little while. Like, I just get so tired. Tired? 
Yeah, and I, and Heartburn too. I get though. Heartburn IPA all day. Yeah, That's why I'm drinking a seltzer. Right it now. rips me up, man. Mm-hmm. Like I just don't have the stamina. Like there's been music festivals like that. There's like only IPAs, and I just I'm like I'm not drinking because it just hurts. Yeah. So, but this stuff, it's like water, mm-hmm. but in the best way, the most <laughs> flavorful, delicious way, and I think. It has a cult following, which I also appreciate. Like, you can't get this outside of the Midwest. Yeah, we love cults. Yeah. We're big cult guys. Yeah, I'm a big cult fan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so anyways, I'm proud to be part of the Michelob Golden Cult. It's daddy beer at its finest. Oh, yeah. And I'm a proud ambassador, truly. Uh, it is actually a dream come true. It's like one of those, like, you can't make this stuff up. Like, I was already making these types of jokes before this commercial happened. And I have, again, multiple people that will attest to that. I've always joked about how much I love Michelob Golden, and it's a dad beer. And I, that's all I need. That's Keep nuts. your fancy local craft beer. I get it. But this is my regional beer of choice. Amen to that. We have a lot of friends that have uh, YouTube TV, including us. Yeah. And that commercial is like on loop inside the system because it's uh, you pay the algorithm for YouTube TV ad spots. It's not like uh, if you're paying NBC, you get like a you get a spot uh, before their seven o'clock primetime event. YouTube Got TV, it. you just pay an algorithm, the algorithm shoots it out. And a lot of our back pocket community gets that commercial because we always get snaps. The thrill? The yeah. thrill. Oh, yeah. No way. Yes. Oh, yeah. Of that commercial. And they're like, yo, your boys are killing it. And we're like, <laughs> yeah, we know. <laughs> I love that. And I love that we're your boys. Oh, yeah. I'm so proud. Yeah. How nuts is that? <laughs> we're all so boys. Cool. <laughs> and it is true. Tell the listeners, what is it, a year ago, we, we all met. And you guys, we met through uh, a gig that we got through Giselle. Yes. And At- uh, Gary, Gary V, v. Yeah. in Rochester, and we played this random after party. And I was a fly on the wall. I showed up by myself. And w- you did. I drove down to Rochester in yes. in August just to see Gary V and like see Giselle, who I'd only known it uh, for about a month at the time. Oh my gosh! And no one would go with me, and I was like, I'll, I'll just go. I'll leave after work and go. And dude, um, showed up and I met Seth. I think was like I was like, oh, the local band's here. Like this is cool. Yes. Met Seth and I met all you guys. And yes. then you guys went and performed, kicked ass. Yes. And then well, that was it. I remember meeting you specifically, and I remember you saying, I have a podcast, you need to get on it. And Giselle was like, do it. These guys are great. And so we did. Yeah. Right? We oh, did yeah. that first. That was yes. the first thing. That was we like did. the very first thing we did. That was, I was beginning at, of September, uh, middle of September. Middle of September. I was at Lollapalooza that day. Yeah. Sick. And I come home that night to a text from Deck, like a long text from Deck saying, this event was insane for many reasons. And then, like, down the list, we met these guys. I met these guys, Yam House. They got to come on our show. And I'm thinking, I haven't talked to you about this yet, but I want to throw this uh, back par- uh, uh, party in our backyard. And I think these guys should play there. And I'm just like reading this as I'm coming home from Lyle. I was like, holy shit, this is a lot to take in. I love it. Yep. Well, it was nuts because, like, I mean, there's a lot of layers to the story. The first thing, because yeah, I listened back to it a little bit today. And, yeah. Um, oh, you no had asked me, there are a couple things from that podcast that were just hysterical. Um, one of them that was actually really cool was you had asked me like, what are, do I see myself in 10 years, 10 years? Yeah. And I w- said that I wanted to get into stand up comedy. So he didn't say that right away either. Cause no, no, no. Cause I said like, Oh, I want to, you know, be at the face of podcasting. I want to be, uh, in like renewable energy. And then I want to dabble around. And so I said, I might've tapped, like tapped into a little bit, but you were the one who was, you, and then you kind of like turned to me and it was my turn to go. I was like, Dak, isn't there something else? And, and and then I'm like, because if you say it, it's real. And he'd been fiddling around with the idea of doing I stand-up comedy. Yeah. And then he vocalized it. And now he's been doing stand-up comedy for about 10 months. There we go. Almost mm-hmm. a year, yeah. So you That's challenged cool. him just to think a little deeper. And he executed because oh. he vocalized on the podcast. Yeah. 
you were kind of the reason I had to start. I had to start. Yeah, you the, held the me ten year question really brings your desires to the top. Oh yeah, and oh, yeah. you realize how short life is, and you're like, I gotta start right now. Mm-hmm. It's gonna take time. And it is. So that's really cool. I'm super stoked to be a part of that. So yeah. with everything that you've done this year, I wanna, I kind of wanna walk through the thrill a little bit because that was your first big, sure. like big release outside of your studio set. Yeah. Or your acoustic. Yeah. Version of your album. What was it like releasing a new song for? the first time in a long time it felt really good i think it snuck up on us too because we just we have such a mentality at yam house that like we never stop making music like mm-hmm. that's a rule um doesn't have to be good doesn't have to fit into some like box of what our music is but we just like have to keep making music that's like if we if we forget that part we're just lying to ourselves we're not really a band and so we work so much on new demos and we have so much time in the studio that like like just today I was in the studio before coming here and like we're always writing new music and so when 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 like a release snuck up on us because we it kind of snuck up on me I was like oh my gosh this is like one of those songs of the batch the first batch we made probably back I can't even remember when we wrote the thrill honestly when did it come out in the summer yes yeah, so I want to um, say around May. May okay May early June so we played it at Fine Line that April. And so I think we wrote it like the previous fall even, or even in the winter. Oh, wow. And I remember like... It was after Bocella because you ended... Oh, yeah. You ended Bocella with, should we play another song um, out of your Rolodex or should we play this new song that we have? And our everyone at Bocella was, new song, oh, yeah. new song. I and remember was, that. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah. And I just remember Deck and I looking at each other like, oh, <laughs> granted you guys had some liquid encouragement oh, liquid fuel <laughs> to to think anything was hopefully good yeah. at that point but yes that was a, that, i remember that yeah it was um it was pretty surreal because that was a ballsy song for us i think like i remember being in the studio with zach and mark our producer mark is always sort of on the control board and he's just such a great soundboard to like bounce things off of and he's such a wellspring of like just like helps me and the band get good perspective on what we're trying to do and what like an idea is and stuff. Um, but he's just such, he's always got so many good ideas and we, we were, I remember as a three of us and, um, this was something that he, he had made this little like idea demo and he like showed it to us and I loved it, but I didn't really know what to do with it. And I just started singing on it and I came up with the verse and then he had the, he had the, he actually had this, lyric that was his voice on the demo at the time it was like it was like in the vc there's a million lights everyone's looking for the man in white and he was just riffing like he didn't really have like it was just like an idea mm-hmm. and i remember being like that is so ballsy and weird like that we would just like bust that falsetto out like that was just a little bit of a paradigm shift for us like yeah. seth and zach are gonna sing this i'm gonna step back and then zach actually brought the thrill that word because then we didn't know what to say there because I brought in the feel something different, feel. Like I brought that part in as a call and response. And I remember we were in the studio, me, Mark, and Zach. And Zach was like, what if you said, everyone's looking for the thrill of the night? And I was like, I'm, I don't think I liked it right away. I literally don't think I did. I remember being like, oh, that's Michael Jackson. You can't do that. The like thriller. Mm-hmm. You can't yeah. say the thrill. Right. Get real. But nobody else felt that way. And I was like, all right, like dope. Let's do it. And it turned out to be this really well-fitting. We we really, me and Zach specifically and Mark, I remember there was a, a day in the studio where we really like caressed those lyrics of like, what are we trying to say? And it was kind of like, we were in the midst of playing a ton of shows, meeting a ton of people, having a ton of late nights. 
and um everybody was like i mean everybody it's like that idea of like going out can only get you so far in life of like you can't just party your whole life and be happy but we didn't want to say that you know i mean it's not an anti-partying song i love partying Mm -hmm. but like it's like a what's the point it's like it's a question song it's like the hope is that someone listens to that song and they ask the question like what is the point of like getting stoked what is the thrill what is the thrill Mm -hmm. like yeah what do you life is so short it's gone before you know it and like what's that part is like touch it feel it own it yeah it's gone before you know know it i remember (laughs) i'm trying to think oh so that was so that was an idea i think that i had um there's a song by sir sly called um um it feels good to be running from the devil another breath and i'm up uh high maybe is what it's called yeah high it's called high okay. okay it's you should listen to it in fact you should show a quick snippet on the pod yeah we'll throw it right here yeah yep it's so good mm-hmm. it's so good um <laughs> wow that was good and um <laughs> i i remember they did a uh thing at the end of the song where the there was like a really low voice matching him it feels good to be running from the devil and i was like that is the coolest thing and so i was like let's try that i want to totally steal that yeah and uh we went with it and there was a yeah so that that part two is was again ballsy for me because I was kind of rapping. I refuse to accept it as rapping because I don't feel like I'm not a rapper. Yeah, you are. And I feel zero obligation to try to be a rapper. But it was like this. It just felt like rhythmic, good spoken word to what we were trying to say, and it just kind of felt right. But it was weird. Yeah, it was cool. It, man, it's so hard to know how people are going to receive songs. Mm. It really is. Yeah, because like you think something of the song and and you saw it from this little demo idea that Mark brought to creating an identity around it, you know, content wise for what I was trying to say during the verses and stuff. And then, you you know, you massage it with, you know, the band members and everybody's kind of like, you know, thinking this, that I remember there was a really, there's a part on verse two that Jake came up with that was like, um, it's like that synthy part on verse two. There's like a transition part. Not that, that was Mark on the bridge. Can That's, you feel it? Yeah. Not that, yeah, one. Not that part. Oh, verse shit. two, there's like this, like, Everybody's looking outside. Like it's like in the halfway point, it does this weird like. And then you hit your roller thing. skates and you're just going back yeah, and forth. Yeah. Yep. So, anyways, it felt really good to put that song out. I think yeah. it was a turning point in terms of like everything before that was so peppy and like upbeat yeah. major chords, and that was much more. It felt a lot more genuine to where we're at currently. Because mm-hmm. Stargazer, we love Stargazer, but that's super outdated in terms of where we're at musically, even where we're at personally. Um, and so it was refreshing to put out a song that felt just a little more on the cusp of where we're at. Mm-hmm. As a little people. more representative. Yeah. Yeah. I think Absolutely. It, what I really liked and noticed right away was like, okay, these guys are being creative. Like I knew, oh, well, I thanks. knew like you guys had really sat down and thought that song through from where you were at in the present moment, mainly because of how different it sounded and how much more edgy it was from your previous stuff. Like you had mentioned, peppy was a good word that you brought up. Um, and I, I personally respect that out of bands. Like, sure. I know people get on bands when they're like, oh, they sound like totally different. This is bullshit. Like Coldplay doesn't sound like Coldplay anymore. Sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Mumford and Sons doesn't sound like, you know, yeah. every band goes through it. Um, but I love it. Like you guys took the risk, you mm-hmm. know, went with something totally offbeat, off yeah. color. 
I mean, marketed the hell out of it, made yep. an insane music video, built the hype. Yeah. And I bought in. I hope a lot of other people did because it was Thanks. a phenomenal song, man. Thanks, man. And it's a killer awesome. music video. And we got to shout out Jay Bird. Oh, my gosh. I'm so glad you guys had him on the podcast. That yes. was really fun for me to watch and listen to. He's a killer dude. He is a killer dude. And I was, it was really cool picking his brain from. Uh, working with you guys to the previous artists that he was working with, which were a lot of, uh, he, he called them uh, SoundCloud artists that yep. just wanted like clout. They just wanted to show bling and like luxurious events happening in their music video, where when he was talking with you guys and what you guys end up putting out there was super thoughtful, super creative and very like storytelling. And there was, sure. there was an actual like creativity input into it. And he was sitting there like beaming. His eyes were glowing, huge smile. He was like, I absolutely loved working with these guys because it tested my ability to work my drone properly and then everything after that. So you guys yeah. challenged him, and I bet you it was a challenge for you doing your first oh, full production totally. music video. Totally. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he was instrumental in that. Like, he, he brought that whole Valley Fair idea in. That was all Jay. Like he, that was nuts. Yeah, he came, and he made it happen, too. It was crazy. Like, there's, it's one thing to come up with far-fetched ideas, and it's another thing to execute far-fetched ideas. Oh, yeah. And he did both. And I remember we were all just like, because we were skeptical. We're like, man, is that really going to work? Like Valley Fair? And I remember even, I think it was Zach or one of us was like, is that too cheesy? Like at a theme park because there's a there's a line that says an electric roller coaster ride. That was it. Yeah. And we were like, is that like too obvious? But then he like literally just like made it happen to where we were like, this is going to be so dope. And we were like truly blown away. I mean, that was one of those things where it's like, yeah, we really, it's really amazing to partner with super talented people. And mm -hmm. Jay is one of those people. He should be hired at a very high rate by a lot of artists. And it's ironic, too, that you mentioned that he had been working with, like, SoundCloud, like, clout artists that are, like, flashing their bling and all this stuff. It is ironic that then when he would work with us, we kind of wrote a song about, like, the vanity of, of like, those, like, of like that yeah, like, whatever gets you excited. Like, yeah. at some point, you got to find something within yourself that, that really gets you past that and mm -hmm. like so the timing is kind of funny and you can't make that crap up i mean that was just super and do you guys know how we met him did he tell you that yes yeah you, you guys were, were going around like promoting door something. to door yeah <laughs> you guys were door to door so salesmen you talk it. you talk about randomly pulling yourself down to rochester by yourself on a lark to like go to this gary v after party and then you meet us and suddenly we form a true like partnership and friendship and next thing you know we're like doing all these things and we've gotten to know each other the past like year and a half it's a similar thing with with that Christmas show, Patrick and I remember it was a cold, cold day and we were literally walking door to door, forcing ourselves to get out and like meet local business owners in Hudson because we were asking them to donate money straight, not to us, but straight all of it, hundred percent to the backpacker program. And then we were going to give 20% of the ticket sales and the merch sales to the backpacker program, which is like a local nonprofit that, that raises money for um, low income families and students that need supplies and they need food and they like literally like give them supplies throughout the year and like kind of check up with kids mm -hmm. that are at risk and stuff and we were just door to door knocking about that so this is totally unrelated and we're kind of exhausted we're a little bit like what are we even doing out here you know getting some no's getting some but then some people are interested and then we we, we walk by this like creative room where um the f3 guys are just chilling and we ended up peeking our heads in asking if they're interested handing them a thing and then it was less about that, and it was suddenly more about, oh, you guys are a band? Like, oh, we do videos, and we have drones, and it's just kind of like, oh, cool, maybe this will lead to something, who knows? And then, like, months and months go by, and we called them back up on a lark. And it was not, it, when we signed on to do that, 
we in our heads did not have this like, oh, the, like what I think of J and F3 now, I didn't know or understand before. So it felt like a risk at the time. Like, who, who are these guys? Let's give them a shot. Let's see how this goes. And it was unbelievable. Yeah. So that's th- those are the moments that like you just can't plan that are mm-hmm. cool. And you just got to put yourself out there. Well, that's life. That's living in the present, man. And I think yeah. that's one thing that you guys are doing better than most is just like day to day, taking on new shows, taking on always creating new music I sure. mean, you're all freaking living together like really living this band life and i i just think it's awesome like i Thanks, man. totally value all of that stuff um one thing i wanted to ask though was you know we we've gotten to see like we've mentioned a couple times right like we've seen you guys grow and crush it in the twin cities and doing a ton of shows um i want to ask how that's been and then i also want to tail that with what's next because yeah i'm seeing you guys play every single show and venue yeah in this 10 15 mile radius and i'm yeah. like god like do you think that's like exhausting like yeah do as a fan i'm like uh if i don't see him there i'll see him here if i don't yeah. see him there i'll see him here so like yep i'm obviously not benefiting you guys you probably look at me as like a shitty brandwagon oh, not bandwagon brandon right not at all but i'm just saying like how how has that experience been of like really putting yourself into this city and where do you want to go now yeah, I think the you mentioning the dominate the sandbox thing, that's been true to exactly what our overall strategy is. Like we don't there's such a like mysterious erethrial, is that the right word? Ethereal. Dang it. Aretha there's like there's some weird words there. Ethereal. And that's yeah, not what we're going for. That's not Are- <laughs> Is that what I think it is? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But you didn't say that. I, I said. I almost. It, it, I <laughs> was thinking. Said, I was thinking what you made said. Made me think that. And I'm glad God, you said we're it. We're just guys. We're I'm just getting a party presented by Michelob, <laughs> and that's what we do. With a splash Are we, of bolo. Or, yeah, Don't splash of bolo. bolo. Yeah, sorry. Do you, I know splash you. Of bolo. I know you said you're an ambassador of Michelob, Michelob Golden. Golden. Well, we're Light. ambassadors of hard seltzers, more specifically Bolo by Bolo. Bauhaus, just came out two weeks ago. That is cool. I should try that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you should. I'm interested. I think we drank all of them. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, Andy's got heartburn, so that's, yeah. that's more a reason why we're uh, I love it. brand ambassadors. But anyways, Arethreal? No. Uh, ethereal. Ethereal. So it's like this mysterious sort of like, how do you get like people nationally or internationally to give you a chance? And mm. I don't know the answer to that. And I, no one, anyone who says they do, be weary of that person. Because at the end of the day, we talked about just being in the present moment. Really, all we can do is work hard at what we understand and what we can control and then hope for things that come out of our control, like meeting you guys, like meeting Jay. Like, none of that was planned. None of that was like, at this point, we're going to meet Declan at an after party, and then we're going to be in this podcast, and then he's going to book us for a gig, and then he's going to book us for another gig, and then I'm going to be back on the podcast. Like, none of that's planned, but that's all hard work willingness to get out and like actually be present and connect with the people that you're you can touch and Mm. that's the strategy that we're doing in minneapolis and so when you say like you guys are playing so many shows and i feel bad you know i can come to one we know that and you shouldn't feel bad because if we were like putting some weird emotional expectation that our friends and people that we connect with are going to come to every single freaking local show that we book we would be really dumb and not just dumb but like unrealistic towards like how this works but what's cool is there is millions of human beings right here in the twin cities so until every single one of those people has been given a chance to consider our band our work is not done here 
And so that's truly what we're like putting our nose down to. And then all the other stuff comes as a result of that. Because within Minneapolis, it's like that seven degree rule. Within Minneapolis, there's connections to every other town on earth. Literally. Like you could meet somebody who's like, dude, I got connections in Paris. I love you guys. I have the resources. We finally connected with that person here in Minneapolis. We're going to go play a show. That show is going to connect us to this person who knows people in the UK. We're going to go. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, we know the game, dude. We, you know the game. We we ask, and we'll ask this in, in a little bit, but like the challenge question for Back Pocket is, has been insane for us. Like yeah. we're on, um, we, I mean, we have three people on each week and we're asking each one of those people, hey, who do you think would be a good guest on the show? And we've just like spread our wings and just from that, that's amazing. And yeah. we started with like our buddy Nolan, who is runs like in a, a clothing company that's like our age, and we followed his like his challenge to the next path. challenge to the next. So like probably five different guests that yeah. have pinned from him, and now we're at um, <laughs> this guy that we're hoping to get on before the end of the season, uh, Walter. Mondale, who's the vice? Oh my gosh, who's the vice president? Mondale, <laughs> yeah, Nolan to Walter Mondale. Yes, yeah. yeah, that's how the world works, man. It's no, it's crazy, but like it just backs up exactly what yes. you're saying. Like, extend your hands and connect with the people you can touch. Yes. Like, all we want to do is have X Y Z person yep. that we care about that yep. we'll have fun talking to to sit on the couch. Yep. And yeah, it's a little sunk in by the time we're done with this season. We might it. have to we have to get a new couch. But yeah. you know what? It's been worth it. But I can tell you guys love what you do, at least the important parts of what you do. Because there's inevitably, someone saying I love everything I do, I'm always happy is a lie. Because work is real and there's parts of everything, anything you do is a job that are cumbersome and frustrating. But like, I think that's the other ingredient of like, what, what our plan is like, if we're not enjoying this, then we really shouldn't do it, you know, to a point. I mean, we're willing to put the hours in, we're willing to put the grind in, but if we don't have that like inner like burning excitement about this anymore. We sh- we're wasting our time and the people's time that we come into contact with. You're not going to connect with Walter Mondale if step one at Nolan, you're just kind of like not that motivated or inspired to even really connect with Nolan. You're not going to get to Walter Mondale if you don't even give Nolan a chance because you don't really aren't interested in what you're doing. And you don't really care about, you know, connecting with him. But that's what's, I mean, we, we love what we do and that's a huge ingredient. I mean, we really love making music. We love like getting into it in the studio. We love, you know, really ringing out a song and, and trying to like find out what are we trying to say? How do we want it to sound? And we love the challenge of that. We really do. Um, so we're going to keep doing that in Minneapolis as long as we love it. So that's what I know. Now you talked about what's next. I don't know. I know some theories. I know some things that we're working on. Like, you know, we want to try to get onto some national tours. So we have a booking agent now um, who's amazing. And she has submitted us for some things that go through her desk. She's at an agency. And um, that's a whole new world of connections that we are brand new to. Is Rano feeling pretty good? He's getting Rano? Yeah, he's getting some stress relief from that. Yeah, Rano, that's a good... Rano used to be the booking agent, as, mm-hmm. as I'm sure you remember. Yeah. And that's what you're referencing. Yes. Oh, yes. Yeah, Rano's really happy with that move. I love that. And frankly, actually, before the booking agent, we actually retired Rano and replaced it with Patrick, our manager. Droney P. Droney P. Mm-hmm. The Droney P. Wow. Yep. So, so what was the shakeup like? I mean, I can imagine Rano having a little bit of anxiety and angst, letting that position go. I mean, Droney well, P taking on even more stress. As, that's yeah. a lot, dude. Well, frankly, so here's how it was going before. So previously to that, Patrick was the merch guy. 
So Patrick was looking at inventories. He was looking at orders. And that is a never-ending scary game of like, merch is tough because the more you invest in it, the more you're bogged down having to sell that. And if you don't get that equation right, there's a recipe. And knowing your market is like a huge part of it. Knowing where you're at, knowing how saturated your fans are, or like how many opportunities you're going to get to convince new people to buy merch. Balancing all those ingredients creates a good merch system. Mm -hmm. And stress. And stress. So Pat was bogged down with merch. Seth was bogged down with booking. And booking is tough because booking, you kind of have to play good cop, bad cop. So as a band, like we really want, if we're the ones having to play hardball and be dicks potentially in like, even like, I mean, remember when we booked this and like, we had to like be like, Hey, this is our minimum and we have to play for that. And then we, we, we found some, we, we, we negotiated. Luckily you guys are incredibly easy to work with and super fun. Well, we, we don't know how to negotiate. Also, well, and we weren't trying to like lowball you or anything. But no, like, no, no, we no. We don't know how to do any of this. Well, shit. And, and it was it was perfect because it was too like we were both very inexperienced at the time. Oh and, yeah, and so it, it was good to just like that was a great opportunity. But like Seth can't be in that headspace. That is such nothing is more of like a it it it's like super draining to be always in that headspace of like what is our value as a band? Do we have enough opportunities? I'm talking to these people about our value, and then also being in the band. That's a really tough, like, emotional dynamic. Yeah. And so, Seth, what's funny about Rano is that Rano actually wasn't complaining about it or bummed, but we were noticing it It was affecting Rano. So, Rano mm. is less free to just enjoy the gig because Rano is the one in the trenches of how the gig got booked and mm-hmm. this person and that person. Like, that part was super hard to separate emotionally from just, like, being in the band and, like, giving a performance that feels free and exciting and good. And so, we actually, I think, I think it was me. We were at a meeting and I was just like, Pat and Pat was super Pat is not the greatest detail guy all the time. He can be. He's a nerd, so he's really smart. But he's kind of like a flurry of paperwork everywhere he goes. And so the merch was like getting pretty unorganized. And so it was like the perfect like like light bulb moment. I was like, you guys should switch. And so they did. So Rano's was no longer a booking agent, <laughs> but he was helping with the merch. And then that was when we made the merch page, by the way, the merch Instagram page. Yeah. And then Pat oversaw booking which made much more sense because he was already involved in a lot of the like tour planning processes and like how are we going to get from point a to point b where mm-hmm. are we staying inventory he was already doing a lot of mm-hmm. that uh, as like a manager role and so it, it just made sense and then patrick handed us off to sarah um she's in new york and she's our booking agent now but that doesn't mean all of us in some ways are responsible for all things but at the end of the day like who's like the guy mm-hmm. and uh seth rano is now the merch guy so now that when rano um you know Weight off his shoulders, pretty clear for everyone yeah. to see that. Um, I saw a tweet a long time ago, I and mean, not a long time ago, but it was probably months. a couple months. Yeah, um, time subjective. Did Rano buy a bike after that? A motorcycle. A motorcycle. Did no? Rano? That is that is wow. You are that is impressive. Investigative I'm invested work. in Yam House culture. I love it. Um, and for the record, like a month on Twitter is like an eternity. Oh yes. Mm-hmm. One time I tried to find an old tweet. And because we use Twitter, I, I mean, seven or eight tweets a day mm-hmm. times 30 in a month, you're looking at That's swiping on your phone a lot. for yeah. a long time. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. Anyways, that that was actually much after the fact. But I, I'm i sure there could be some accrediting to the fact that he's not the booking agent anymore to why he feels so free. Free and dangerous. To buy an 83 Honda Goldwing on a Lark. That 1500 right? bucks. Yeah. And no one knew that he was doing it. That was the best part. Dude, that is no one knew he was buying it. Not even his wife, I don't think. Like I, knew, I, I think she knew, and I, I kind of knew that he was looking at 
specific. I just thought he was hanging out. So there's a guy named Dan Rodriguez. Who you should have on this podcast. He's a local uh, musician on the same with, with the same agent as we're with. He's unbelievable. You guys should okay. let me be a Nolan type situation. Yes. You guys get connected to Dan Rodriguez. Perfect. Let's make it happen. Mm-hmm. Anyways, Seth said he was hanging out with Dan Rodriguez. Dan Rodriguez happens to have bikes. But that wasn't something that I associated with it. And we just thought he was going to hang out with Dan Rodriguez. And then later that day, I'm driving in our hometown of Hudson, Wisconsin. And I'm at a stoplight. And I'm sitting still in my car. And I look across the way. And I see a biker. And I literally... <laughs> Guys, I'm not even making this up. I, I literally thought nothing of it. But then I double-taked because, like, the the body shape and sort of the head, although he had, like, this do-rag on. So I was like, is that Seth? <laughs> and I looked again, and I'm like, I think that's Seth. And the reason it, I knew it was him, I realized eventually he had the Rano glasses on. Yeah. And he's got <laughs> – so this is so true. Like I got – and I, it, in the moment, I, was, I knew – I was like, this is – unbelievable like this is real life and i'm just so grateful and so i like quick my hands are shaking i feel like i'm like catching a 55 inch musky once in a lifetime opportunity type situation and i like pull my phone up and i wait at the stoplight because i think they got a green light before because they had the, the left turn lane so he got to go straight past me and i just filmed him going by like and he did not see me did not know that i i saw him it was just pure bliss and then I tweeted it later that evening, and like that's how he found out about it. Like, he saw it on Twitter, like, "Oh my gosh, did you see me?" And I'm like, "Yeah, dude, I drove by you as you bought your motorcycle." I think and that it, was yeah. the single funniest Yan House tweet <laughs> I'd ever seen because it was like, "Update: Rano just bought a bike." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's literally like you explained, like he's got the do rag, he's got the hair flowing out with his glasses, and he's just like minding his own business, oh. taking a right turn. I was like. When did Ronald get his license? Oh, <laughs> yeah. There's no social media planning meeting that can a- account for that kind of content. Oh, mm-hmm. that's why I love it, dude. You that's gotta be ready so... for the good moments. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Ronald's a meme though, dude. I think you guys need mm. to do like Rano culture. And mm. I think like you guys have like fan pages and stuff already, which yeah. I think you guys should start using as like depot accounts for sure. Or depot for your like funny ass like meme content. Absolutely. And I think that I'm like I'm only saying this really specifically because I have now vested my thoughts into meme culture. Love it. And, like, anytime I'm listening back to our podcast, I'm listening for, like, good content for videos oh, and yeah. good content for memes. Rano's a meme in himself. Oh, absolutely. And there's just a lot of stuff you can get, you can do there. Yep. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. Take it for what you want. Yeah. The, the yeah, social media game is a life of you put five things out there and it might be duds and you get one golden gem. Yeah. It's a life breed of average qualities. Oh, absolutely. And this is a great, great <laughs> trans- yeah, transition. Yeah, you go transition. I'm going to the bathroom. Real okay. Quick. I love it. For us to hit some back pocket core questions here, and this is something that we've been doing since day one, the average quality. And you had, yes. I'm bummed he's leaving right now because he listened to the episode earlier. And I'm curious, do you remember your average quality from Shoot. a year ago? He might remember when he comes back. No, I don't think I do. But uh, we got our average qualities right now. Okay. This is the thing you do well at times and other times not so well. Yeah. And at the end of the day, it's your average quality. Sure. So if you could think of one on the spot right now. Yeah. An average quality yours, what would that be? Man, that's a really good question. I'm trying to think. I have a lot of weaknesses. Um, Not weaknesses. Average qualities. Sure, sure, sure. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So but it's you're good at them sometimes and bad at them sometimes? Or yeah, like, because it's something you care about. It's in between. It's in between. You know, it okay. could be even be like being a guitarist because you envision yeah. yourself being so elite That's that you're good. not there yet and you're always improving and sometimes you fail and you're like, all right, man, you need to get better and better every day. Totally. Mm-hmm. I When it comes to 
guitar. I am the rhythm guitarist of Yamaha, so I'm not necessarily. Although this this next album or this next I don't want to call it an album, but these next wave of tunes, I do have some guitar moments that I'm excited about. But Seth is the primary guy, so I'm for sure the Yam House average guitar player. So I, I will gladly accept that as my role. Yeah, I'm trying to think like on a personal level though what my average quality would be. Um, let me think. Maybe like, man, this is so tough. I should have thought of it before. I should have been prepared. It could come to you. I'm gonna ask you one follow up question. I love when, it. When when the back pocket boys bum rush Seth shredding the guitar. Oh is yeah. Is that something you guys get often? Um, just like a <laughs> sea of hunk dudes yeah. mobbing Seth and then just melt my face. We are just, yeah. that I'm is so ha- glad you guys went there. Yeah. Cause that's what I want. So that <laughs> I think was peak what I picture in my head when I think of like a really funny, but, but fun and professional rock and roll show yep. where it, like everybody just like eats up the cheesy guitar solo vibe. Mm-hmm. I think that's comical and beautiful. All the same time. Yeah. And I saw it on his face too. He started leaning yeah. back. And, and he then, leans into it too. Yep. He loves it too. Um, that was probably the best, at least when it comes to like some strong, like masculine energy yep. coming up. Um, Very violent at times. Yeah. Yeah. It was, yeah. You had Greg Ebosher. The funniest <laughs> part about that show. Yeah. The funniest part about that show was the spray bottles directly at our guitars yeah guns. that's not good and i a couple of times i had to be like i was so there for it and like i wanted it to be cool but deep down i knew i'm like if this continues to happen like we got a thousand dollar guitar to replace and i just don't want that on my conscience yeah. and so i was like we, I, a couple of times like the first couple of times it happened i was kind of like all right like right on i'll wipe it off like <laughs> this one very sweet uh human i think she's a girl she was like spraying it and then just like really owning it and i just had to be like no more <laughs> and i'm like front man doesn't say no yeah. <laughs> you know so that was a tough dynamic for me normally i'm yes man yep yeah. the answer is yes when you're improv the answer is yes so as a front man i pride myself in saying yes to any strange obstacle that comes like we had a, a drunk guy come up to us at the vikings pregame show we were playing on this like platform stage there's like a trailer that rolls out in the stage and yep, we're right out, out of, right out front right yep. in the plaza or whatever that's called front of us bank and uh things are going great and this drunk guy wobbles up to us to the stage and we're talking like everybody who sees this guy immediately is like oh my gosh this guy is so incredibly inebriated and we need to watch out and he's coming up to the stage and he's he's kind of described like what you guys are describing where he's like going up to me and Seth going like <laughs> and he's like kind of almost tipping over but then he started going into this bit where he was yelling at me mid song faster faster you guys need to go faster and he's like <laughs> And I'm like, dude, we're not going to go faster. I'm like trying to play the song. And he's like, literally like, we didn't have a barricade. So he's like right up on my pedal board, like touching my, and I'm like, bro, like you're going to fall over. You could puke. Like, this is just getting weird. Like he was very close to falling over mm-hmm. and we ride it through that song. We get to the end of the song and there's like, obviously a little transition space between this, this song and the next little downtime for me to say something. And I had to address what was happening because everybody in the crowd was like laughing and sort of like, some were really concerned. Like some were like, there was a lot of people like approaching the perimeter kind of like looking at this guy like is he gonna be a problem like do we need to take this guy out you know what i'm saying yeah. but then other people were just like i'm here for this like this is gonna be ridiculous i'm so here for this so i was trying to find like a loving way to sort of like gently like steer him in a new direction and not make it like this like get out of here dude kind mm-hmm. of thing and so <laughs> i didn't know what to do our next song happened to be called bad news and so i'm like this next song it's called bad news and it's dedicated to this guy right here. <laughs> <laughs> and everybody erupts laughing. 
And I think, oh, that's cool. Like, he's so drunk that there's no way he, like, understood the nuance of that sarcastic comment. And hopefully he takes that as, like, his cue. Maybe somebody, like, steers him away. Because I'm hopefully making it clear, like, we need to get this guy away from the stage because I just don't want him to, like, get hurt. I don't want him to, like, get on my stuff. This just needs to be quarantined. Not only does that not happen, the dude understood the burn. And, like, was sober enough to be incredibly offended. So then he spends the next song literally giving me double bird and leaning back, almost falling over, like, looking up at me on the stage. And he's right up on the stage and literally for an entire three and a half minutes of a song called Bad News. Yeah, you're staring at I'm this guy. double bird, <laughs> double birded the whole time. Oh, my goodness. It was unbelievable. I mean, that in itself speaks volumes that is not your average quality it is your far be above uh, quality being an entertainer and, uh, and embracing the moment in one instance that deck and i i mean really stood out to us when you went to st thomas and performed at the scooters which oh, is yeah. that like uh like mm. food area i think it was last winter-ish or maybe beginning of 2019 sure were you guys at that yes yeah we showed up <laughs> i'm trying to even remember because i think we've done it a couple times okay keep going i don't know if this was uh, a second it wasn't time. a bongo and rano thing it was not no, okay because no, no. there was a bongo and rano at scooters but this is before that before that, actual yes. yamha show acoustic uh correct no no uh, full, no, you full were set. F- no 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 you weren't full we, set. we were it was acoustic. slightly acoustic it's like the halfway point where jake's still on a full kit okay yeah. got it and you and took I, over yes you you texted one of us and just were, and were like, hey, quick heads up. What's kind of the environment? And I think we gave you uh, a heads up saying, like, it's food. People are going to be sitting down and, you know, embrace that type of kind of casual atmosphere. And that whole experience from someone, Declan and I, knowing you guys and the, like, the amount of energy you guys bring, we were excited to see how it would play in this situation. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we sat there. And within, I think it was a 45-hour-long set, and I think 30 minutes in, you had every single person that was sitting down studying, eating food during a free food event. Like, they, people were there for the free food. Oh, yeah. Everyone came, was now standing up in the front row, moving to your beat. Wow. That yeah, was one nuts. of the coolest things. Deck and I were like, and all of our other buddies came, and we were inside this crowd. And we looked around, and we're like, this has never happened in the four years we've been at St. Thomas, now sure. removed for a year. We've never seen people get up from their studying wow. to embrace a, an artist that comes in. Yeah, you and guys we, took that You took it over. <laughs> and that was like, these guys are natural-born entertainers that oh so happen to play killer music, that so happen to sell merch. And oh, I love it. it was awesome. Clothing company. Yes. Yeah. No, it was sick. And what's funny is like we had performed there probably a year ago oh, prior really? to that point. Oh, stand-up? Uh, uh, no, we did a live. A that live was our first live a podcast pod. yeah. there. Love it, love it. And love it. it was like... Yeah, we just like knew the expectation. Like, yeah, everyone's gonna be talking. They're gonna be playing music, and that's what I prepped you for. And you guys crushed. Um, but while I was down uh, pissing, I heard you guys heard you not know what your average quality. Yeah, I was. can't remember. So I looked it up. It yes. was uh, something about falling forward. And, oh yeah, 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 yeah. And how you guys like it's okay to fail, and like you're basically it was the, the impetus was like we embrace our average qualities and our failures, but knowing that that's just gonna get us to the next thing, and we'll learn, succeed, and grow. But I also had like a also epiphany moment because we were just talking about comedy. I was like, Lars, it might be an average stand-up comic because didn't you have to like we go. get up and do yeah, yeah, stand-up yeah. comedy? Because falling forward is a cop out. That's like saying like that's I think just you're pretty ner- you're pretty nervous and sick when we had interviewed you last time. So yeah. you're like 100 percent Lars. Last I'm 100 percent, which no. is good. And I'm gonna reject the falling forward thing because that's a strength, not an average quality. Mm. Um, I will say. 
stand-up comedy couldn't be more of an average quality for me because I guess I'm not terrible. Although my only, it's really funny because I've done stand-up comedy twice. First, when I was in high school with a friend of mine, Tucker Millet, who you should have Tucker Millet on this show. Who's that? He is um, a stand-up comic from Chicago. Okay. And I don't know if he's back in the Twin Cities anymore or where he's at. Because w- every time we've played Chicago, for the most part, he's come out and like been super supportive. Which is why I found myself in an environment last minute at a Chicago show um, being asked to randomly do a stand-up thing with Tucker at an open mic down the street. No way. And bombing. No, you didn't. <laughs> well, because I... Here's my problem. <laughs> yeah, what's your material? Here's my problem. I'm yes, man. And I'm, I try to be fearless. So I, I'm really not... like. I've really conquered that like whole stage fright thing from the standpoint of like I'm nervous but like I know I can just lean into this and what's the worst that could happen. Yeah. Well, I found out what the, what the worst that could happen was. And that is that you could just have nothing to say in front of a group of like decently well-versed aspiring comics who already aren't in a super like friendly environment to necessarily want to cheer each other on? I don't think. I don't really know. That's I, an I open mic. It's the, it's open it's mics. A time to just, oh yeah, you just go up there and you basically like tell your jokes and yes, and everything was really prepared. Like they knew they knew that what they wanted to say at least from the yeah. standpoint of like just trying on material. Yeah. Whereas I'm like, I don't even have material to try. Mm-hmm. And so I'm <laughs> I remember panicking before my thing came up and I was like, what do I think is funny right now? And I took the worst route probably possible. It would have been better had I got up there and said nothing or it would have been better had I gone up there and just said like a really bad, like like one really liner. obvious one-liner <laughs> joke that's just not funny <laughs> mm-hmm. and fell because at least no one would be like offended, right? Yeah, you had something. So I tried to take a ballsy route and I'm thinking to myself, this was in the midst of me. In the last two years, I feel like I've really, had more than that because when I was in AmeriCorps, I felt this really awakening to <laughs> this is so deep. White privilege. Let's just put it out there. Sure. Yeah. Which is a very hot button word. And it, I think it's not a, I'm realizing like white privilege is so real and it's not necessarily a shame white people thing. It's just like an acknowledgement that generations of human beings in our family had the right to own land and vote and make decisions and build wealth. And now we, if you look at history, family wealth is a real thing and if your grandparents had money chances are your parents had some opportunities potentially depending on how strict those parents were or how generous they were but regardless they had like parents with like a decent opportunity and so that leads to you having some opportunities so like i was in the midst of like process i I, uh was dabbling in like like uh the new jim crow anyways so i'm in this very heavy headspace (laughs) when i go up to this dude you did not (laughs) i walked up and i'm trying to think to myself What's a way that I could like make fun of myself? Um, and so I step up and all I said was, I think my first line was, Hey guys, my name is Lars and I just I wanna come out in the open. I suffer from white privilege. Like and it wasn't even A, it wasn't funny. Right? It was so too like, real. Too real and B, it <laughs> almost seemed it it because they don't know where I'm at politically. Like they don't know where I'm coming from. Sure. And these people are like, Are you fucking like just like owning your white privilege in like a weird like so it couldn't have gone worse it it, it i'm serious yeah, that was, was your opening line yeah, i got booed off i think i literally think i got yeah. booed off it was like get <laughs> the hell off the stage that's that's when like, all disgrace. the comics just oh. go oh for fuck's sake yeah it was bad <laughs> it was like that it was like so and that was really humbling too because the show that night was also a dud oh so really? you want to talk about like mm. like um kind of a double whammy of double whammy kind of like- 
but it, the face. but I'm I'm grateful because those are the moments that I look back on when I when I say things on social media like I love my work I love what we do, and it's easy to say that right now as I'm sitting in front of you guys we've sold out First Avenue there's going to be fifteen hundred and fifty humans who have paid money who are excited to see our music and they're going to be singing along and it's going to be the, not easy but it's going to be so like I'm not going to have to work to win that crowd over. Like, before you even step on stage, it's going to be electric around mm-hmm. there. Because everybody's going to be packed in. Everybody's going to be thinking in their heads, these are just local guys. Most of the people in that room are going to know who we are to some personal degree. So they're like, you guys are living your dream. Like, that's going to be the easiest crowd to win over. But when I look back on those moments that are, like, really challenging, and then I say stuff like, I just love what we do, I mean it. Because, like, as crazy and miserable as that night was, that was such a fun night. Because I got, like, roasted. We played for nine people. On a Sunday night in a tiny club in Chicago called the Elbow Room. Um, we played for nobody. And then I walked two blocks away and bombed an open mic stand up. <laughs> the guys had just gotten there when I they had finished, so I, I wanted to go meet with Tucker. The guys classic frontman, I didn't pack up as much. Like they packed up the trailer while mm, I went over and, and lined this up. Yeah, yeah like classic. classic diva. Yeah. But I go over there. And they are just arriving after they're already kind of annoyed with me that I'm sure like I bailed on like the hard part of the night to do this with my friend Tucker because I don't get to see him very often. And they are just getting there as like the whole crowd is like, this dude needs to get off the stage. And I'm like, this is my life. (laughs) My band hates me. This room hates me. We just played for nine people. Life is tough. But it was so fun. Like for real. I learned a lot from it. So I don't know even where I am anymore. But I guess I'm just saying I love what we do. Uh Mike, stand up, Mike, stand up, open mic, stand up in general is my average quality. I am, but it might be, it no, might be too bad. No, I think that you you hold the <sighs> average quality because when you're transitioning between song to song, sure, you're in your element. Yeah, when I'm in my element, that's when you can actually play off sure. of some good jokes and some good rhythm. Yes. to continue the crowd to get them engaged. Yeah. That you're because I did, at. I did have one at least not bomb in high school. I, I did one stand up thing with Tucker Millette, the guy who got me that opportunity in Chicago in yeah, high school, true. and it went somewhat decent and it's on youtube and i'm trying to find a way to get it off because it's so cringy to watch mm. that's amazing mm-hmm. yeah we're gonna have to find it clipped here it clipped here oh, yeah we'll, we'll put it i in. shouldn't have even brought it up that was oh. foolish no, i want to make sure that you don't have to be anywhere it's currently six o'clock uh i'm not in a huge rush okay oh nice i'm okay sweet we are going over and i just wanted to make sure it's more up to you guys because you don't want to have a seven hour podcast so well we're only i mean we're what six hours or five hours and 45 away from that so we got we got a little time i'm wiggle, not too wiggle room. Seven hours. a yeah. little wiggle room there sure but uh dude yeah but to andrew's point like you're you're really good at riffing sure like, you have like a great riff like but content is different than riffing content's very different from yes is i have no saying, content so like to your point is you saying or and i guess we really don't have to dive into this but i just like i when you said white like i'm a uh um, I, I'm a, I cr- I'm, suffer from chronic just, white privilege. Right, I like I said, yeah. No, like that's a premise. That's a joke. Like you can build, I can off build that. on that. Yeah, it's that's just not a, a punchline. Punch mm-hmm. Like yeah. that, no one's gonna laugh to that. No one's gonna laugh. It to just that. builds tension to like, oh my god, what, what, what is he actually gonna, gonna say? <laughs> right, and like that is. I went to the doctor. That might be better if you like set up like a, this telling the story. You got diagnosed with white privilege, but again, we should work on it off. Off the pod, yes. No, but like, so I just came up with one. Let's so like white privilege. It would be yes. <laughs> that's Jeremy's walking fix? by. Yeah. So like, I, I I'm a I'm a uh, I'm a victim of white privilege. Like I was never really looked at as a D1 football player because I was white. Like I could like especially with Andrew. Like Andrew was Andrew played defensive back in col in high school and was a white Same. guy. 
no chance was Andrew getting a D1 scholarship. Like he, St. Thomas loved him. Sure. No, no coach in D1 was actually going to appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Sure. Because he's white. Something like that. Okay. The, the white corner does not exist in the NFL. Exactly. See, but yeah. my problem with that one is that it's reverse. I'm not like, like politically, I don't want to stand up there and be like, feel bad for me because I'm white. Sure. It's more like I'm just like making fun of yourself. I have inevitable. You yeah, exactly. That yeah. I'm on board with that comedy. That's kind of what. I, yeah, and that that's what I've been like learning too. Is like just make fun of yourself. It's yeah. It every works. time <laughs> it works. It's just such a. It's the best way to go. You have to be very very calculated about if you're going to make fun of someone else or something. Yes. It's. It's honestly kind of hard because you'll fall yes. flat in your face and you're like, eh, I don't know about that. Yeah, <laughs> and you're creating enemies inevitably. Exactly. But if everybody agrees with your funny joke about how much you suck, no one in the room is going to be like, hey, man, that really offended me. You know, mm-hmm. no Never one's going to say that. <laughs> dude, no, I can't no believe how much that. you t- tore into yourself, dude. That was messed up. Yeah. That really offends me. <laughs> <laughs> like, no, that's great. Keep it up. <laughs> you suck. I agree. <laughs> um, yeah, okay, so transitioning. So comedy. Uh, is my standard comedy quality. is your average quality. I love it. But what is in your back pocket? So this is something okay. when um, pressure becomes stress, anxiety is rising, Lars is in a tough situation. What would that mental quality or something that you would rely on that helps you come out on top? Um, I would say I'm developing my superpower that I talk about. I talk about this with, on the shows a lot when I talk about grooving. Um, my mom has a superpower and that is she doesn't, really give a rip what anybody thinks about her and uh, I would lean on that when when the pressure's high when people are looking at me like I'm sure they will before First Avenue it happens every time we play a local big show there's always like some really great people in the green room who are friends of ours going like looking at me like are you nervous and yes I'm nervous in like a, I want to make sure I don't screw this up but like deep down what do I have to lose like I mean what's the worst that could happen um, so I, and again even with like bombing <laughs> bombing that stand up I, I can bounce back pretty quick from like people not thinking I'm cool. I'm really okay with that, to be honest. Like I, I just wanna I wanna make myself proud and I know that, that takes a lot of like a journey. So I would say my back pocket quality is my bounce back and my ability to like not get super like weighed down if people don't think something positive of me. Mm-hmm. That's impressive. It's not easy. Yeah, because we're on display all the time. As I mean, natural entertainers, the yeah. whole time you're thinking, Am I pleasing? other people exactly mm-hmm. and if you do if you miss which you inevitably will and you dwell on that for too long you're not going to want to do what you're doing yeah and i love what i'm doing there you go and and that's it right that like that's pleasing to the self and i and like i bomb all the time yeah. i i feel like shit a lot of times when i show up to an open mic and i see all my comic friends and i'm like man should i go up and do the same material that i really need to practice in front of these guys because like I feel bad that the second I go up there and start talking about the same bit that they've, they've seen already seen or, it, they've already seen it three or four times. I'm just like, God, like that's not going to provide this room that much value. Yeah. So should I just come up with some new stuff and try and figure it out and and then bomb and then bomb? It will bomb most yeah. likely because yeah. I'm not giving it a lot of thought and it, it, and, the, and fall flat. Like ultimately, tough. that really doesn't provide a lot of value to me. Yeah, because that's just going to take a more cons- more time to put towards that joke. Yeah. Whereas, like, what really matters to me is going up there, crushing the bit that I already know that they've already seen, and then using the new experiences sure. and the riff and the response for when I'm in front of my first Ave crowd. There you go. Right? But, like, I rarely do I think Those, about that. Yes. The I bil- scorn myself when I do something like yeah, that. Yeah, it's tough to want to please people and then also at the same time work towards your goals because if you're going to – sometimes you have to pick. 
there's mm-hmm. a there's always there's a divide, right? Sometimes, there, not all the time, but right, there's yeah. very key moments where you have to kind of pick. Yep, and that's a challenge in itself. Yeah, yes. absolutely. Mm-hmm. And you challenged us a little earlier to get on Danny Rodriguez. Dan Dan Rodriguez. Dan Rodriguez. Okay, we call him Danny. Name. Would he like be pissed? Yeah, I don't know. I don't. I mean, I, I don't know anybody. Dan the man. Call, yeah, Dan the yeah Dan. Okay. Dan. I, I don't, I don't Strictly even give Dan. Him a, don't yeah, give him Dan. He's one man. of those cool. I mean, he's super down to earth from what I know of him. Danny I don't know him super well. Oh, yeah, I don't. Man. Yeah, you have to feel out how Big he feels D, about those things. Can't be saying that. Either. I have no idea. We're just gonna keep asking you questions. You can't Kick answer. Can dance. <laughs> you guys should listen to his song. I think you'll. I think you'll think it's really funny. What kind of genre is he? He has. He's like singer songwriter, but so he's so ridiculously talented. And you need to listen to his song. In fact, you need to show it on the podcast for real. Mm-hmm. All the other ones, scrap them. If no, it's too much they're editing. gonna be there. They're gonna be. This right. is the one that's important. <laughs> he has what's called the douchebag song. And you guys need to listen to that song. Okay. I think it's only available live. I've tried to, I've seen him do it live and I was blown away. It's like, if you da 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 da, you're probably a douchebag is like the whole song. But then like he like puts a spin on it. How like deep down, like don't feel so sad. Like I'm a douchebag too. Mm -hmm. Just not as bad as you is like the song. And it's super, super, super witty and super snarky and super well done. And beautiful. You guys should listen to it because I think you'll appreciate it. I have it right here actually. If you want. On YouTube. Did you search it? Yeah. Yeah, so this is live. This song might apply to you. This is stand-up comedy. Yeah. Meets music at its finest. This is so great. <laughs> and it goes like this. If you like to say, dude, that is so gay, you're probably a douchebag. <laughs> <laughs> if you go rub out to put on your tab out, you're probably a douchebag. <laughs> He's really got a good voice. He's so good. Oh, that's money. It doesn't end too. Like you got to on your own time. You got to make that happen. I had it's to play that because I found it. I was like, oh, this. He looks like uh, Aquaman, dude. Yes, he does. Uh, Jason. Jason. I know. Yep. I don't know his last Tua, name. Tamua or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. He's he's a beautiful man. Very talented. Regardless of whether or not he agrees to be on this podcast, let it be known publicly. I am a huge Dan Rodriguez fan. Okay. Dan and Rodriguez. And he, he works with our booking agent, too, which okay. is kind of how we got connected to him. Okay. Gotcha. We met him organically at Summerfest this summer. Like, nice. he was playing at a separate stage. And then we played, um, I think, right after him on a different stage. And he, like, literally brought his toddler son over and was, like, jamming side stage and then, like, out in the audience even to the music and, Mm -hmm. like, came out to his bathroom and was just, like, super kind and, like, he's so talented. I've seen him live. Like, he doesn't know this. Like, when I met him for the first time, I was already kind of a fan of him because I'd seen him at the Varsity and stuff. So, anyways, long live Dan Rodriguez and his music. I freaking love that. Challenge accepted. I love that. Get him on. Yes, sir. All right, Dan. We'll see you soon, hopefully. <laughs> There's the camera. We'll see you soon. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, next question. So this is a time in the podcast. You know, we're, what, hour 24 in? Yeah. Crazy how time flies, right? Living the moment. 
Um, it's been a, it's been some good moments. Yeah, we crushed Pat this ourselves podcast. on the back a little I bit. Mean, we we absolutely I feel good crushed. About it. Yeah, you feel good? Yeah. Do you feel good? Or you feel great. I'm proud. I feel great. Okay. I'm proud of you guys. Thank you. You guys Thank are you. smooth. Thank you. Mm-hmm. The setup's clutch. Yeah, it's my first time in the actual. Doesn't that feel comfortable room. on that couch? Yeah, this yeah. is great. It okay. does kind of sink. You might need to get a new couch. We're That's what we. Yeah, yeah. so many that. guests, so many butts, so many cheeks. Some big ones Dude, too. Lots Ch- of back pockets in that chair. Chad yeah. Greenway yeah. came in here. All yeah. six six, two forty. Plop down. Plop down. He is. Uh, he ate that couch. I love it. Mm-hmm. So, anyways, um, yeah, we, that was just us, you know, pumping ourselves up. But you know, we peppered you and with you questions, should. and you know, and I think we asked some good questions. I am shocked by my knowledge of like how Twitter. How your brain just remembers tweets that are funny. Yeah, yeah. If humor is connected to memory for sure. Yes. If something's really funny, you tend to remember it. And so, I, I mean, I, I just remembered know. pretty much my research for this podcast was remembering all the funny tweets that you had, and you had I great stories it. for each one. But anyways, uh, good work, Deck. Any <laughs> questions for us? Do you have any questions for the back pocket? Yeah, I guess. Um, let me think here. Um, uh we're going to do it PG first. This is fun. Uh, Mary, Smooch, Kill, Zach, Seth, Jake. Both, you've, you need to respond. And then I'll ask a serious one after that. Mm-hmm. All right, so Mary, fuck, kill. Um, yeah, yeah. you can say Mary, for your audience whatever yeah, yeah, is appropriate. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Um, Mary, Seth, <laughs> for sure. Oh, Mary, man, Seth, okay. That puts me in a pickle. Actually, fuck. yeah, I'll marry Seth. Okay. I want to ride that roller coaster. <laughs> and, uh, I, I'll, I mean, it's obvious I'll have to fuck Zach. That's <laughs> best looking guy in the group. I've said it since day one. Well said. And I then agree. I got to kill Jake, which is like it's so, so sad. It's so, so sad. sad. It's like, like yeah. this innocent bystander. Right. Exactly. Sweet man. So sweet, sweet, sweet Jake. You're killing like the most innocent guy. It's like in the a band. puppy. You murdered a puppy. Yeah. What are you doing? <laughs> and that's why I just can't do that. I got to marry him. That's I fair. Have to marry oh, sweet, sweet okay. Jake. Yeah, that's fair. I'll ride that, and you know that's a positive man with you for life. Yeah, and sometimes I'm a Debbie Downer. So Jake is gonna ride or die. He's yep. gonna stick with you. And Zach, you're getting fucked by the back pocket. <laughs> no, we're we're so <laughs> fucking Jack. Exactly. We're absolutely fucking. Jack and so that so happens, Seth is getting the axe from me. <laughs> okay, wow, you're gonna kill Rano. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> Which is like Rano. Like he ate, he's lived a good life. Yes. Let's see. He's lived, exactly. he's, lived he's lived fast and hard. Rano <laughs> dies tomorrow. I just see he buys motorcycles on a lark. Yes, and it, in heaven for Rano is just him riding yes. through like multiple gates in his. <laughs> it's just like a repeat <laughs> of like Iceland, just like yeah. over and over. He's again. already he's lived many it. lifetimes. Yeah, yeah no, it's like Earth. a timeless thing. And like, if yeah. he has to get chosen to like come back to Earth in this like Nirvana he's, Buddhist type yeah, thing, I could see it. What is what would he come back as? Wow, you questioned the question. I know. Yeah, we got to answer. I like now. that. Um, that's a great question. What would what would Rano reincarnate into? Man, that's so good. For some reason, eagle is popping into my head. Mm. Like an old, good answer. Been on the river for forty five years, type eagle mm-hmm. that has like a like yeah. a seriously like remote, very big fortress. I'm feeling almost like the Lion King. Um, what was the uh, the monkey, not Mufasa, the Rafiki. One, Rafiki? Rafiki. He's, he's, he's got a lot of wisdom at this point. You know, he oh, he was yeah, a ride or die no, guy. Good. Now he's smacking people over the head. He has to yes. be that guiding light of like, hey, straighten it up a little bit. I was once you. That's spot on though, because mm-hmm. Seth is really wise. Mm-hmm. Seth is one of the wisest guys in yeah. the band. He's like Yoda. Yeah, it's I good. would. Uh, mm-hmm. Man, I was gonna go with like a swan. 
Okay. Majestic. Majestic. Like, you know, you mentioned Fortress. I would think he just, when 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 uh, Seth flies down uh, onto a nice pond, yeah, the water doesn't move. Oh, wow. You know? It's like glass like, you, you and don't, stays You that don't way. necessarily see the ripple effect when he lands. It's just gracious. Wow. Yeah, so. I'm here for that. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think we're all here for you, Rano. Yeah. All right, last serious Sorry, question yeah. then for you guys. Okay. Is um, what, if you could accomplish one thing within the realm of Back Pocket Podcast in the next year, what would you want that to be? Like, snap your finger and this will happen in the next year. What do you want? I personally want um, someone or some company to buy into the back pocket mantra. So you got to do ads more? More ads, but more so they are buying into Deck and I so that we can create our content and they just so happen to be along the ride with it. Not where they're like, hey, be our sponsor and create this content for us. They're more like, continue to do what you're doing. We'll give you the financial stability to be able to do that and soar type mentality because that's hard to find and that we're not settling for anyone but that. And I love that's it. very hard. Well, this one's uh this is kind of a vague answer. And I'm good at vague. That's uh, yeah. I, I crush that. But um I think just I want to build like cuz I think we're starting to becoming we're starting to become recognized as a media presence like yeah, absolutely. they look at us as like, "Oh, go on this show if you want to grow your like be amplified for a certain time whatever sure um but i want us our perception within this sandbox and more than that is you can come on back pocket because you can be yourself yeah and when you spend an hour at the back pocket that's you you don't want to lose the heart right and i don't know if we ever would like i just know like with more opportunities and more guests and how transactions work that you know, you go on to hot wings or hot ones to like, you know, eat hot wings and, and show off like what it's like, like try to answer questions while your mouth's on fire. Like that's yeah. a very niche thing. I want, I just like want back pocket shtick to be like, oh, they're on the back pocket. Like they're going to, they're going to, that's who they truly are. Yes. Like I want to keep that and keep I just that. want us to be known as like that. I respect that. Is that like a thing? I don't that's know. That's definitely a thing. That, okay. That's a great like, like long goal too. I mean, yeah. a year is good too. That mm-hmm. both those thing. answers are correct. Yeah, yours is cool because like if that actually happens, you can like show this content and be like, "Can't believe we spoke it into existence." Just like the stand-up thing, it's not going to happen unless you start putting it out there. Correct. So I, yeah. I, I think it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. If yeah. you guys keep leaning in the way you are, I know you've done what two hundred plus yes. podcasts now, and I, I'm sure you're at that point where it's kind of starting to feel, oh man, this is a grind, and you start to lose that inspiration. You start to lose that like. I just got to put these mics on again and talk to somebody and try to be interested. Mm -hmm. That's going to pay off because don't forget to love what you do. And like, I think somebody's going to come along. That's going to be like, I believe in you guys. You're putting the work in and you love what you do and you're willing to like go the extra mile and like make it happen. Beautiful. Take care of yourselves. Yeah, seriously. And you take care of yourself too, man. Thank you. Like I know you guys are going through that same grind and I see it all the time (laughs) and it's just like, it's, Andrew and I just get really excited when we see you guys like come out with new content or um, putting out shows. Yeah. Like it's just it's exciting to see your guys' growth. Uh, Thanks, man. And I'm excited to see where you guys freaking go, man. Thank you. Like you said before at the end of last podcast, like we're each pioneers in our own respective 
medium. Like we're speaking Absolutely. journalists and you're uh, traveling, you know, clo- clothing, clothing company, the, the and, play music, you know, the whole X, Y, Z deal. Absolutely. Right. So it's, we're both operating in spaces now where there's really no rules. Yep. And we're kind of having to create our own rules. Yep. We're having to really throw the dart at the wall and, yep. and see what sticks. And yep. through that, like the only thing we really have between the three of us and is we're just doing what we love. We continue and to each, show up. Yeah, yeah, we continue to show up. And we just like every yeah. path, everything that we choose is like, do I like that more than that? Yes, going there. Yep. Because we don't know what the numbers show or what the monetary no. value is behind those things. We're just trying to figure it out. Just trying to figure it out. Amen to that, Deck. Well said. And this brings us to our final question, a simple question. What did you learn today from the moment that you woke up to when we're having this conversation? Um, It's been a long day. Man, you've had some celebration. You've had some recording studio. You've now yeah. had a podcast and everything in between. I was, I've was i been up since 5 a.m. today, so it's been an exceptionally Same. long day. I had like, like coffee with my parents this morning before 7 a.m., which is crazy. That even happened. How are Zach's parents? Because they're huge supporters of the oh, podcast. Oh, man. I, I was literally drinking champagne at 8.15 this morning with Zach's parents. Perfect. That's as we awesome. found out that, that the show was sold out, <laughs> which is insane because we just happened to be at their house having our weekly, like, put the noggins together kind of like round, round horn meeting that we have. Mm-hmm. So it was really fun timing that that all came through right as we were, like, literally meeting about, like, okay, what are we, what are we looking at coming up? You know, what's our strategies and all the different projects we have right now? Uh, so it's been a long day, and then I was in the studio. So after that, I'm really excited about this song that um, is a is a my idea type song that I finally convinced Mark to like help me and just like lay it out. And I'm really excited about it. What did I, what did I learn today, though? That's a good question. Um, are most of your days like that, where you just have like, are you? I guess my my question is: Are you spending days where you're like, okay, today I'm going to create music? This day, I'm going to go shake hands and kiss babies. This day, I'm going to go perform. Like, is it very yeah. one land or is this like one of these one-off days where you're like kind of Doing. dabbling in a lot of other things? Um, When we're on the road, it's a lot more, um, it's a lot more uh, single-minded. Mm-hmm. Like, we're just trying to make sure we do the thing and that there's things that are outside of the tour or the show or the trip that we need to worry about. We just do over like email or phone call or like if we have a down moment you kind of like are always kind of trying to keep one ear connected to what's going on back home and things you need to pay attention to sure uh but yeah i would say it's pretty chaotic right now one of the biggest hurdles we have to overcome right now is like how to use our time wisely because there's just so many things we have to do like we need to make music we need to keep finding new opportunities we need to like uh still work on our like brand and strategy and social media and like all those things uh, are intertwined but at the same time yes. they need to be built in their own way yeah like me in a songwriting headspace is not me in a like all right are we how are we going to create opportunities headspace you know it's a totally different yeah. uh system what have i learned today um i've learned Ooh, i got it i've learned that uh it's the jim carrey thing where it's like like i found out today that we sold out first avenue and i have thought about this I mean, I'm serious, like, since I was 12, I mean, of like, what would that be like? Uh, that would be insane. I mean, when we started Yam House, that was a thing in the back of our heads of, like, we need to sell out First Avenue. And today, I literally was given that on a silver platter. And I'm going to be honest, it doesn't feel as good as I pictured it in my head. 
not to say it doesn't feel good. It feels really good. But it's sort of that principle was reminded to me again of like, it's never enough. There's still work to be done. Yeah. And I love what we do. So I'm going to keep working. Uh, but I don't feel this like, I don't feel like I just finished a marathon and I'm just ready to be done with that for a while. Put like, your feet up. I, I, and it, it almost feels underwhelming in a weird way because it kind of snuck up. Like, what? In a month? It's already sold out. Like, we had all these plans to like blood, sweat, and tears show up at colleges unannounced and beg people to buy tickets. Like, I was thinking at this podcast, I would be saying, hey, all your listeners, please buy tickets. We need your help. Like, that was what I've been saying that for like a month. It was, this was going to be a publicity stunt. Yes. This was literally supposed to, and now we're just hanging out. Yeah. So I'm kind of in this like weird. <laughs> ah, shit, we sold out. <laughs> yeah. Like, so it's sort of that principle, like, man, like, it's not about, it's that classic, like, cheesy, when you play football in the weight room, the journey is the reward. We had that. <laughs> it's like. Sure. No, love, you're right, though. Love the grind. And I, I'm feeling that today because it's really, I mean, it's cool, but, like, that didn't, like, solve any of my problems, per se. I mean, it definitely yeah. solved some problems. Uh, but they weren't really problems. Like, uh, it just changes what we need to work on now. It's a so I will invite everybody on this podcast who's listening to November eighth. I don't know when this is coming out. When is this coming out? On Monday. Monday. Perfect. Everybody's listening to this. It's Monday. You're at work. You're bored. You're sick of your boss. You're sick of your coworkers. You're feeling jaded. You need to come to a Yam House show at the Myth, November eighth. We're opening for Andy Grammer, OAR, American Authors. And then us and Julia Brennan are warming up the crowd. And you need to get tickets because it's for a good cause. Tickets are a little more pricey. It's a huge venue, 3,000 cap venue. Andy Grammer is going to blow everybody away. So and is so OAR. Uh, they rebranded. They're now just Orr. Oh. Orr, yeah. That was really good. Yeah, we're big Orr guys. Yeah. I know I saw them a few years ago. You and, did? And I told everyone I went and saw Orr. <laughs> and everyone's like, no, it's OAR. And I was like, no, dude, it's Orr. <laughs> I love it. So that's the, the shift we – like. I was given something on Silver Platter today, mm-hmm. and now I'm like, man, I still got so much to do, and I'm not like that. Didn't like make me feel magical rainbows out of my ears. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you're hungry. That's why I'm hungry. I and love it. You guys should all buy tickets on November eighth. Yes. No, absolutely, man. If I there's any Brandons, Bandwing and Brandons listening to this podcast who didn't believe we would sell it for staff or was maybe keeping it on the periphery, thinking maybe closer to game time they make a game time call whether they want to come see us at First Ave, your window's closed. So you if you're listening on November seventh, back pack up your bags. November eighth. November eighth. I know, but oh, if they're, oh, got if it, they're got listening got the it. day before because that's when the Brandons would be that's probably smart. tuning into our podcast. Yeah, there you go. And probably thinking about going to your concert. There you go. So as the Brandons, time for you to come. I love it. Beautiful. I love you guys. I love you, dude. Love you too, Lars. You guys rule. This is fun. <laughs> Jason, 
She's made up her mind, made up her mind. Just watch her now. She says, I'm gonna have to try and catch her now before.